You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. You can pause and do that right now so you don't forget. And when you get back, we'll jump right into today's call. So Allison, what are the main topics that you want to cover today? Um, well, I originally said, said to you that I was thinking about um, really starting to create some workshops around um, working with other teachers. I just am about to open up my own studio. And just in my, it's something I've been kind of whirling around in my head for quite some time. But, um, you know, I did some demos. Obviously, they demoed for me. I hired some teachers. And I felt myself wanting to give feedback and going back and forth with questions about things. And I started thinking about that. And I said, I would really love to help them grow for obvious reasons. It's a, it's a mutually beneficial situation. Um, and I think I have a lot to, to say. I think I have a lot to offer. When I worked in the corporate world, I loved, that was one of the things I really loved was working, was helping the people that were working for me. So that is definitely on the top of my, my list. You know, I, I've, I put it in the, in the group about really reaching out. So I feel this whole um, about with regard to reaching out to physical therapists, you know, finding having this niche that I'm, I'm really working on uh, honing down to. It scares me to say that I'm an expert in anything. Mm, yeah. <laughs> You've t- touched on this in so many different ways about, you know, insecurity. And um, I have done so many trainings <laughs> that I am trained out right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't see doing any additional training because I feel like every time I go to a training recently, not every time, I don't, that, that's not really what I mean. I kind of know what they're teaching me. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all it is, is really just a reinformation and a reminder that I, I know what I need to know right now. Of course, I'm still educating myself. So I always feel like I'm always dancing on that line. Like, do I know enough to really say, I want to, I want to specify in this specific area. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your background, how long you've been teaching, how you got into yoga and you know what your path has been as a teacher. I worked in the corporate world for 10 years and at 30, I was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease and a herniated disc. So I'd already been doing yoga, um, as a practice and, um, just something I loved to do. While I was in uh, physical therapy, I was paying out of pocket. 
And a lot of the things they were giving me were, were yoga. You know, it was lunges and it was rotation and uh, it was Sphinx pose and, <laughs> you know, all these things. And, you know, after a certain point, I was like, I can't afford to do this anymore. I need to find an alignment-based studio that's going to help me to really create space in my spine and um, educate me more about my body so that I can do this with more confidence because I didn't feel confident at all. I was told by my doctor not to twist and bend and I would have panic attacks. Like I was having panic attacks anytime I felt anything in my body after the surgery. So I went to an alignment-based studio. I had already studied some Anusara yoga just um, for my PTSD. So I had some base knowledge and they were, you know, as soon as the, the training was opening up for um, registration, I just jumped on it. How long ago was that? That was in 2011. Actually, 2010, I, tra- I signed up for the training. The training started in 2010. My, my surgery was in 2009. And what led you to want to open your own studio? Backing up real quick, right after I graduated in 2011, I began a, a community class called Yoga by the Bay. I called it Yoga by the Bay because it was outside along the waterfront in New Jersey. So I grew, my, I, I grew a following. So I've been teaching that for eight years or nine now. So I grew a pretty nice following. So I have a a really decent sized following. So the studio thing has always kind of been in the back of my mind. You know, I I think I have what it takes to, to have a studio and to have things like that. I didn't want to do it because my daughter's 12 and I wanted to be there for her and I knew it would be all encompassing. So that aside, I started really not feeling like I could express myself creatively the way I wanted to in the studios I was working at. But, and, and Yoga by the Bay was my most successful thing because it was mine, right? So I, I was studying also with uh, Francesca Cervero and I started growing my private yoga studio or business. I'm here now actually in the studio. The chiropractor I go to, I would always ask her questions about certain things I was doing with private students and just kind of get her feedback. And she asked me if I would want to work with her, with her clients, and that they had a space uh, in their offices to, to, to use. I, I just said, yes, I'll look at it. And, um, I looked around and I realized, you know what, I'm okay with it being small. I can use it for my privates and I can probably fit about nine people in here. It's not big. I don't need it to be big. I'm not in it for the numbers. I'm in it for really helping people. Yeah. So that's where I am. And I'm, I'm opening in May. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And the, the rent is really low. You know, I looked into other places as well once I thought, once this really became a possibility and I just, it just made sense. People can't see, but behind you is this gorgeous sign with, I guess, your logo. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Thank you. So you're opening a studio. You already have this relationship with a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And what does that relationship look like? Are they, have you formalized anything about, are they going to recommend you to people? How, how is the crossover going to happen? Have you guys talked about that? We haven't formalized anything. No, they have already referred me. I have a mailing list that's that I have people signing up for. So out on there, um, the reception is a, an, uh, a sign that says coming soon, align yoga and strength and a mailing list that I have, you know, I've got about 40, 40 names from there. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I know, I already know a lot of their patients 
their patients have actually, and that's another reason they asked me to be here, their patients actually have recommended me <laughs> to them. So yeah, so I've really been um, fortunate enough to have a lot of crossover already. So a lot of my students actually come here. You have a little bit of a niche or you've been thinking about this niche of working with people who have back problems. Is that right? Back problems and injury in general. Okay. So I've also had knee surgery. I've been to PT. Um, I've, I've rehabbed uh, ankles, an ankle and a shoulder as well. I'm very active, so I hurt myself quite often. It's perfect that you have a smaller space if you're working with people who are injured. You don't want those people in a big, in a big class. I think that's wonderful. One of the things that I would ask and I would invite you to think about with your marketing, whatever that marketing ends up looking like, when I see align yoga and strength, it is not immediately clear to me that this is for people with injuries. Mm. That is not obvious. Now, there may be other ways, I'm sure that there are other ways that you can communicate that, but that's something that I, I would like for you to think about. When I, when I created the Yoga Teacher Resource, that is not the most beautiful, interesting name, but it is really obvious who I help and how I help them just from the mm -hmm. name. And because of that, I haven't had to come up with any taglines or, and I think I've gotten a lot of organic traction through the, for the podcast and through social media, just because people see that name and they immediately know whether or not they're part of my group. They know immediately, yes, I want to follow someone with resources for yoga teachers or nah, I'm not a yoga teacher or yeah, I'm a yoga teacher, but I've been teaching so long that I don't even need those anymore, whatever. I'd love for you to plant that in your mind as you go and as you're creating your programs and as you're creating your advertising, how can you make it really, really immediately obvious who is invited to the studio? Now, I'm sure that you're not trying to turn people away if they're not injured. <laughs> no. But, you, but it's the injured people who need the clearest invitation. Got it. Now, you also asked about reaching out to PTs, which I think is brilliant. I would also consider, you know, reaching out to other chiropractors, reaching out to any other practitioners where people are going to go when they're injured. So massage therapists are also going to be great. Right. Great networking. One way that you could do that is that you could host an open house and invite people. The open house could be as simple as drinks and snacks and let me show you the place and let me give you, you know, just talk, you know, meet me. Okay. Or it could even include mini sessions of here's how I teach. Here's an example of how I teach. Okay. One of the things that I always I offer other professionals is a like a, a one, you know, a free session with me um, and, and to number one, address anything they've got going on, which they usually do. <laughs> and also so they can get a feel for what I offer on a, from a private standpoint. And it's really worked out well. Yeah. And if you can, you know, if you can get some of those PTs to come to a private session with you, the most important thing I think is relationships. So you can have the most beautiful marketing materials in the world. And most PTs are going to kind of just gloss over it and be like, eh, yoga, eh, I don't know. But if you make a personal connection with them, they're going to be like, oh yeah, Allison, of course, of course I trust her. She's super trustworthy. 
Yes, that's exactly who I want to send my clients to, who I think would be willing to do the exercises because I'm not a PT, um, but I have friends who are PTs and friends who are PTAs. And what I hear the most from them is that most of their clients are not willing to do the follow-up exercises. They don't do that home homework, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do think though that there's probably an in-between population in between the people who are able and willing to follow through at home and the people who are like, no way, there's probably a cohort of people who are like, I want to do it. I just can't force myself when I'm at home because there's too many distractions. But if I could go to a studio and if I could have a leader and have a teacher and have a community helping me through it, then I could do it. And those, those are my sole clients. I don't know if you're going to get the PTs to like sign up for a session with you right away, but the first step could be just taking them out to lunch because mm-hmm. it's hard to turn down a free lunch. Right. That's an easy yes. I got to, I got to eat anyway. All right. You're proposing to feed me. Sure. Why not? <laughs> right. That's probably the first step that I would take with PTs. Let's have lunch. If there's a connection, invite them for a free session, share with them your vision, let them know that you understand their pain. Their pain point is these clients who aren't getting better because they're not having the ability to follow through on the exercises, even though they sincerely want to. Right. So in a way you could be taking this load off their plate of, I've got all of these clients who aren't improving the way they could be if they would just be more consistent with their exercises. I don't have the bandwidth to run classes for them. Where do I send them, especially once they actually graduate from PT? Yeah. And that's the key terms that I'm trying to make sure I I express is, you know, resume normal activities. That's the key. Like you're free to resume normal activities. That is when I invite them here, (laughs) you know, because I want to make sure I'm being clear that I am not, and that's the overstep that I get scared about. You know, I don't want to, I want to make sure that they know I'm not trying to do what you do. I'm not trying to be a PT. I respect it. You've helped me or, you know, the, the practice has helped me in so many ways. So that's a big, I guess the, the uncomfortability and that's why I'm. And I think that that piece of it, that fear of overstepping is exactly what can be mitigated through personal connection. Right. You're right. True. Beyond that, do you have a plan in place right now for attracting students to your studio? No, I'm actually um, trying to work on a marketing plan right now. I have um, a social media strategist that I'm working with and a branding and a, and a branding consultant. We meet weekly. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been slow going. It needs to be slow going because I need to be able to absorb and to put into place some things. So um, no, to answer your question, no. <laughs> Fair enough. I want to encourage you to not get so caught up in the branding and the social media that you forget about this piece of personal connection. Right that ultimately a local business is going to be fed through word of mouth. Right, right. And if you can invest your time in connecting with the people who have access to the population that you want to invite into your space, that time is going to be well invested. Along the same lines to some degree, right? So I have a, literally I'm looking at it 
as I sit here, a ginormous uh, tennis and racket club where we share a parking lot. I haven't even tapped into that. I know that's definitely an area specifically for injury, for overcompensating, you know, doing the same motion over and over again and not really working the body. So I know um, that's going to be something I want to, I, I need to walk in there and I need to uh, really start to create some relationship. It's just time, you know, do, it's just a matter of Do you of play time. tennis yourself? No. <laughs> do they have like a gym component or is it just a racket club? Just tennis and racket. But I do teach yoga for golf. I have a couple golfers that I teach. So I have the understanding. I don't, but no, I don't buy. I think, you know, obviously the most effective way would be to sign up for like a beginner, like tennis or racket clinic or Mm. you actually show up enough times that you're no longer one of those people who they've just seen once. Right. You got it. You hit the nail on the head. It's, it is about time and you have to pick and choose, you know, that might be something that you, approach down the road if you don't have the bandwidth for it right now because you do have to make hard choices about where you spend your time. Good point. Good point. Let's shift to talking about these workshops that you want to create for other teachers. Yeah. It sounds like you want to offer professional development for the people who teach in your space. Is that correct? Are you wanting to open it out to the wider community? My first initial one was to hold some kind of sessions just for the people that are working for me. And then I realized, well, that's, maybe I should just open it up. Maybe that would make more sense and have them, you know, um, come to those or have them, let them make that decision instead of me kind of forcing it upon them. Cause that's not what I want. That's not who I want to be. Right. Right. Um, I have said to them, I'm here for you. Cause a lot of them, we have a studio down the road that is shooting out yoga teachers left and right. And a few of them are from that studio. They're newer. I'm totally willing to take on a new teacher. You know, I totally see, somebody gave me that chance. I could see some things like that I would have loved to comment on, but I didn't because it's not my place until it's invited, in my opinion. Um, So I thought about, you know, ways, I grew my following pretty quickly, ways to get yourself out there. Social, they're all questioning me on social media, which I'm going to sit down and talk to them about finding your voice. I felt like there was a little bit, uh, but then again, it's also experience. And I realized that, you know, things that they could do to kind of comes back to vulnerability, make it, creating a story to help them connect with, with students. And, um, I tend to be a storyteller and that's really how my, I think that once I got over myself and was able to really be vulnerable in front of my students, that's when my practice or my, my following or my classes started to grow. So these are the topics that you're thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there might be some way for you to, rather than talking about it as workshops for other teachers, to talk about it as a mentorship program, because that leaves it a little bit more open-ended as far as what topic is going to be focused on each session. And maybe you could offer it as a perk for Mm. some of the new teachers where you say, okay, I really want to give you a chance. I like you. I get the sense that you're really coming from the right place. And one of the things that yoga teachers really need and are not getting in teacher training is mentorship. So I've created this mentorship program and it is a perk and benefit of working at my studio that we're going to have these sessions. I really like that. And it kind of gives, it's kind of like a, like a a lead into where I want to go and probably develop that at some point, you know, got it. That's a good idea. 
And then within the structure of that mentorship program, you can have these uh, sessions where you observe them teaching and then you give them feedback. And then it's, you know, that space has been created, that safe space and that expectation that they're getting feedback. So that rather than it's just kind of coming out of thin air, it's something that they've agreed to and asked for. Good point. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that I have, I have two pretty senior people who are, you know, 500 hour certified who have, they're both in the back. I have three actually that are 500 hour certified who have a lot more bandwidth behind them. Um, all have injuries of their own. That's kind of why I, I kind of targeted them. And then I have the, the others that are sub me on my sub list and that are, you know, teaching. I want to, I don't want to say fluff cause that's not the way I mean it, but more gentle and more, you know, flowy classes that are just kind of appealing to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are my, my newer teachers, but my very specific stability mobility classes, the ones that I, I want to make sure that those are where I'm going to direct my injured students to go to teachers who have a keen eye and um, I'm comfortable with putting injured people in their class. <laughs> so as far as if you're thinking about newer teachers I do not want to pigeonhole people by age, but I would encourage you to look for some older teachers for this mentorship program, new older teachers. Interesting. Okay. Because my experience with being, having been a younger teacher (laughs) a long time ago and working with younger teachers is that there's a cavalierness about the body and about your ability to figure it out. And of course, it's not the, tr- the case across the board. Of course, there are some amazing younger teachers that have tons of integrity. But as a pattern, you're going to notice that younger people are more likely to like not show up for the mentorship sessions and not appreciate it. Whereas the older people, the ones who have started teaching recently, and they're at a phase of their life where they're kind of used to being good at things, Mm-hmm. They, they notice that they're not good at this yet. And I suspect that they will be more grateful and more committed. Mm. If they have a little bit of life experience behind them and some perspective of like, I'm not good at this yet. I'm used to being good at things. I want to be good at this. Right. I've already started a relationship with one of my teachers based on a similar, you know, she's a meditation teacher and a yoga teacher, but she's has an injury. And I say, let's, let's barter but I like the mentorship better. Like let's, let's just work together and I'll give you feedback. You give me feedback. So yeah, I like that. And would you see yourself offering this mentorship for free as a perk at first as you develop it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because I'm going to, if, if really the, the time's already going to be spent because I'm going, I'm going to be here for the first few months at their, at their classes, you know, um, whether I'm taking the class or, just in the studio because just the way it goes when you're a new studio owner. Um, so, th- so I'm here anyway. And if I can, if I can structure it in the way, I, I, the way that you, the way that you've worded it, it, it just comes off a little bit differently. And I, and I like that. Um, than me just saying, Hey, I'm going to give you feedback. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, because that's not, I don't, I don't want, I wouldn't want somebody giving me unsolicited advice if I didn't want it. Right. You know, cause that's not the relationship I want. Well, this way you are developing a relationship with them and there's a sense of you want them to succeed. That is yeah. 
that is where this feedback is coming from. Whereas sometimes if that relationship hasn't been established, then feedback can come off as I'm trying to feed my ego by giving you feedback. Mm, yeah. It's similar to when I work with people in a coaching situation where first of all, they've paid me, we've set aside this time. So they want my advice. Right. But secondly, because we meet regularly, we develop trust and they come to trust that I have their best interests at heart. They come to trust that I'm showing up for these sessions with only the intention of helping them be the best yoga teacher they can be. And from that place of trust, from that foundation of trust, they tend to be people, I've just been blown away by how open the yoga teachers I've worked with have been to feedback from me, even when it's not like the easiest feedback, even when sometimes it's really calling them on some patterns that are holding them back and, and not holding them back in a way that's easy to shift, but holding them back in a way, because I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's like the, that thing you're like, no, that is the one shift I do not want to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I really love the idea of, of developing more of a relationship with these teachers so that, so that they, they can receive what you have to offer more fully. Yeah, I like that a lot. I really like that a lot. And the meeting regularly can can probably be, you know, via Zoom or via, you know, uh, FaceTime or whatever. It doesn't have to be face-to-face. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of a neat thing about this modern world, this modern technological world. You, you definitely could have some regular virtual meetings, mm-hmm. especially if you had you know, a few people at the meeting and it's hard to coordinate the space and time. As far as one-to-one meetings, it seems like that would probably be best either probably after their class, not before, because you don't want to like confuse them and, you know, mess with their mind. <laughs> not that not that you necessarily will, but the, they'll want to be focused on their class before. But if they could reserve some time afterwards and you could reserve some time afterwards, that could be really nice also. Right. So do you have any other questions right now about anything that came up today, something that we haven't covered yet? You know, uh, coming back to this feeling or worry of not uh, knowing enough, <laughs> which I think is holding me back. So you said that's like the, that's going to be what's holding me back. Mm-hmm. Never feeling like I know enough, even though I, I know I do. I don't know if that makes sense. And it's, no, absolutely. It, it pulls me back from posting on social media what I know because I'm afraid someone's going to argue it or tell me I'm wrong or, you know, how do I say this? Because I love my teachers, but some of my teachers, you know, they're, they're, there's a critical eye on, 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 um, on yoga right now. I feel like from, from a lot of standpoints and I feel like there's a lot out, out there right now that says what I know is wrong. Mm. Does that make sense? Sure. And absolutely. it's, it's frustrating, you know, so it, it's making me second guess almost everything I say and do mm-hmm. from, as a, from a teacher standpoint. Yeah. So I feel like that's, that's where I'm, I'm at in my teaching as far as, you know, my own personal journey. So you're in a questioning place. Yeah. Do I know enough? Am I good enough to do this work? You know, I look up to these teachers but I also feel like they're, and, and, and the interesting thing is I've taken training with these teachers who have taught me this stuff that now they're questioning, which I get. 
So it's just, it's a weird place to be. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I can relate. I go through these cycles. I don't think that that is going to end if you are a sincere practitioner and student and teacher. Part of what we love about yoga is that it is so multifaceted and so complex that there aren't a lot of clean, clear answers. And 10 years ago, when you were first going through training, there was a lot more emphasis and momentum around creating clarity out of this complexity. The trend now is away from that. The trend now is to acknowledge the complexity, but that's a much more uncomfortable place to sit in. Mm -hmm. And I think that the only thing we can do is, is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I coined that or not coined it, but I called change asana, sitting in the seat of change of constant change. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. And it's great at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's life. It is the, I think it's the way that yoga represents and overlaps with everything in life. That's, you know, that's the heart of it. Here you are. Everything's always changing. Nothing stays the same. Nothing's ever going to be comfortable for very long. (laughs) Right. And you, we all as practitioners get to keep coming back to center, coming back to our willingness to be there and to sit with it. Right. And that's like the biggest gift that yoga offers us. Yet when it happens, our first reaction is always going to be, no, no, I want to know. I want clarity. I want certainty. I want stability. But the freedom that we're seeking isn't found through those external circumstances. Writing it down. The freedom that we're seeking isn't found through the... Through external circumstances or through knowing something, being sure, having enough, knowing enough. Right. Yeah. And it's a continual never-ending practice to receive and react and respond to the forces of the world with softening. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Obviously you can see I get very emotional about this because it's, it's like questioning everything I am. I have been there. I understand. I go through it frequently. I really do. Yeah. Well, I really feel like, Mato, that you've given um, that a voice, like of really like the vulnerability, the insert, you know, the insecurity of being a yoga teacher, because it's really, I, I've never been so insecure in my life. And that's when, um, especially with the studio, because this is me, this is, this is my heart being completely out for everyone to, to, to poke at really. So yeah. And, and reading, you know, your posts and, and, and everything on your, in your group and listening to your podcast has really helped me through that. That's so awesome to hear because, you know, I mean, I have been doing this for 15 years and it was this project that I had of having conversations with a hundred yoga teachers that helped me to understand how alone many yoga teachers feel. Yeah. Myself included, myself included. And we want that connection. We want 
somebody else to understand what, what it's like to pour so much of yourself and your heart and your vulnerability into this practice and this offering. And, you know, sometimes it's like a high and sometimes it's low. Yeah. And we always forget. We always forget what the practice is, you know, when we're in those low places, when we're in those questioning places. We always want to revert to our survival instincts. And yoga is not about surviving. It's about thriving, which is a privilege that many of us get to pour energy into thriving. That's a beautiful thing. That's a thing that I think is more accessible to more people now than has ever had, has ever been in the past. But all of our instincts, all of our, our reactions are, are ways that we have gotten to the place as a species where we are now is like the opposite of yoga. Mm, It absolutely is. So we're trying to rewrite the program in our brain. It's huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the things that we should be, I want to say should, because I hate that word. It's become a learned skill. Mm-hmm, absolutely. To let go, to relax, to, to engage, to isolate, to, you know, specific areas in the body. So, for, so from a physical and an emotional level and a neurological level, it's become a skill to really turn on and turn off certain areas. And uh, I guess that's why we have a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I hope that this aspect of yoga that we as yoga teachers get better and better about talking about it so that more of the people who come into our sphere have words around why yoga works for them and what it affects and how it helps them. You know, ultimately, I really want yoga teachers to be more and more appreciated and more respected. Mm. I think that the trend towards the gym yoga has done a lot for yoga's popularity and visibility, but not a lot for for clarity. Right. Not a lot for respect. Right. And I I think on top of that, well, so then that kind of pairs off to the whole certification. If you keep getting cert certificate, that that means something that's, that's your validation. And granted, I I'm certified on many levels. (laughs) Um, So I'm not, questioning the validity of certifications it's just that I see it so often like you haven't even been practicing or teaching but meanwhile you're getting another certification like I feel like I don't know if that makes sense but like I I think that it's um that my that the valid that that the certification means more than it should in the sense of like it gives you the 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 right to do xyz Hmm. Well, I mean, I would question about where that assumption is coming from. My sense is that most yoga students really don't care about what certifications their teacher has. They care about primarily how they feel in their presence. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing they, they care about. True. Beyond that, you know, they want to feel that the yoga teacher is knowledgeable, but a certification doesn't equal knowledge. Right. Exactly. So I will say one thing that has helped me a lot. Once I got to that place where I felt like the trainings that I was taking were generally very repetitive of each other and derivative Mm -hmm. of each other, 
is that I stopped for the most part, not always, but I stopped focusing on yoga trainings and I started looking at where can I gather information about the human body, human movement, anatomy, kinesiology, biomechanics, the human brain, neuroscience from sources that are not yoga biased. Mm. So from the outside, from a different, a different angle. And I'll tell you that it is like, it's a different world going into a new, a new way of talking about these ideas with different language, different jargon, different assumptions. Mm -hmm. It's really eye-opening and it's really fascinating and, and exciting. It brings, for me, it brings me back to my love of learning. Yeah. If you go to a workshop or a training and, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I could have taught this. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> it's not very enjoyable to be there. I mean, of course, you know, you're the yoga teacher. So you're like, all right, let me just be a student. Let me just be a student. Let me really send love to this teacher and, and really focus on what they're doing well and what, what little bits I can take from this. But it's not the same as being in a, being back in that experience of like, whoa, all of this is new. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, 80% of this is new. This is awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. One thing that I did, for example, is I took a college level anatomy and physiology class. I think I was listening to you talk about that. Go ahead. Well, it was, it was so fun. The basis that I already had made the class made me feel like I was at the right level of class. So most of the other students in the class felt overwhelmed. It was too much. They couldn't, they, they had a hard time keeping up. I was like, wow, this is a lot. Awesome. Keep it coming. Because I had the basis, you know, I was able to figure things out more easily from the foundation that I already had, but it was being taught to me in this, from this very different perspective, this academic perspective. And I had an incredibly different focus than it would have within the context of teaching yoga. My joy and my pleasure then is to figure out how does this apply to yoga? Mm. Because there are always connections. And even though the people didn't know that they were teaching me yoga, they were still teaching me this background and this context for how the human body functions, which is incredibly fascinating in so much more detail than I ever would have learned in a yoga context. And I was ready for that. You know, I was at that place. I was really ready to hear all this detail because I had the foundation. Hmm. So that's when I hear you say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of trainings. I would say, don't stop training, but look outside the yoga space. Mm. Where else could you find inspiration and guidance? Yeah. And that's why it's, um, you know, I did a, a, I had an injury last year <laughs> and I'm in the physical therapist, you know, and everything he says to me, I'm like, really? Oh my gosh. He injured. I mean, I never heard of FRC before him. And I, you know, so it's just, I, I know what you mean. And I love that idea of, you know, of looking at that from a different lens. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Very nice. Well, thanks for, um, thanks for bringing the, 
the conversation a little bit deeper. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Sorry. I cried. <laughs> I always take crying as a sign of sincerity. Mm. Thanks. So I can tell that you really are passionate and really putting your heart into this studio. So I'm wishing you the best. I'm wishing you all the students that you can handle that you can help. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And with your support and with, you know, everything you've done, it's really helped me. So bring me here. So thank you. Mm, so my pleasure. So um, I actually have like put my name on the waiting list for your, for, for your, I don't know, what's that? You had a master class or a master. The group coaching? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so I put my name on that list. So we'll see. That'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Was well, there anything else I can do for you right now? No, 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 I'm good. I really am. This was really helpful. Stay in touch and absolutely. let me know how everything goes. Are you doing a grand opening for your studio? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm doing an opening. Mm -hmm. So what I decided to do that was a, I have a pretty good buzz going on around the studio opening. So I decided not to do like a free class. I was for first, it was going to be free classes and I was going to have food and I was going to have all, and then I decided to back off mm -hmm. and just open the studio cool. <laughs> and, and do an open house in September nice. when I have a little bit more sense of what I want to, what, how I want to do it. And it'll be new now. It'll be time to, for people to get back in a rhythm and it'll just be a good, t I think it'll be a good timing. So when is your, so the opening officially is May 17th. Okay. I've been having, so I did a soft opening. So, um, I've been holding classes here since the beginning of April. Uh, so yeah. So what I did is I put four classes on the schedule to, I was moved from a studio and I knew my stu students wanted, I'd left the studio. I didn't want to leave them with a gap. Right. To be quite frank, I, I didn't want them to start with another teacher and be comfortable with her. Fair enough. <laughs> I wanted them to come with me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I have, you know, I've had full classes. It's been great. And, uh, it's allowed me to work out some of the, the kinks. I've asked them for their feedback. They all feel because they're invited. It's only by invite only. Mm -hmm. It's worked out really well. It's worked out really well. I've made my rent. Let's put it that way. So hey. that's <laughs> before I opened, if I made, I made my rent and I'm, I'm, I'm happy. That's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, come and let, let us know on the Facebook group how things are going. Um, I think that this episode will probably air in June at some point. So, you okay. know, maybe you'll want to make an update on the post. Great. I will. Thank All right. Namaste. Namaste. Bye, Allison. Have a good day. You too. Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And thank you also to each of you who listen all the way to the end, and most especially to those of you who leave reviews and who reach out to me to let me know that the podcast has impacted you and helped you. I'm grateful to get to support you and your teaching through the podcast, through workshops, trainings, and one-on-one -on -one strategy sessions. If you'd like to find out more about working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can do that at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. Until next week, 
just a friendly reminder to prioritize your personal practice and whatever you do, whatever works for you for self-care so that you have the resources to be able to help others and be there for others. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.